From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for tuning in. So glad that you are a part of Washington Watch. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition, President Biden last night made a political speech from Union Station in Washington that, like other speeches he has been giving, has been called dark and divisive. And he conflated the break-in and the assault on Paul Pelosi with the January 6th riot. After the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those are the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January the 6th. The president did say something that I do agree with. I know there's a lot at stake in these midterm elections, from our economy the safety of our streets, to our personal freedoms, the future of health care, Social Security, Medicare. It's all important. But there's something else at stake. Democracy itself. Of course, that was the only mention of the issues that concern most voters. The rest of the speech essentially saying people must vote for Democrats if they want to save democracy. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that? Do you believe it's true? I don't. I'm going to find out what Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler believes when she joins us in just a moment. Also, there is a troubling trend that has been taking place all across America. Younger and younger children, children are engaging in violent crimes. Some of our young people are showing up in violent spaces where they have not before. That is a concerning thing, and everyone has to take a hold of that. Parents have to take responsibility for their children. That is important. That was Metropolitan D.C. Police Chief Robert Conte yesterday. We're, we're going to explore what is behind this rise in violent juvenile crime with Joshua Arnold. He is a staff writer with The Washington Stand. And here is one that, quite frankly, defies common sense. As drug-related deaths skyrocket, all right, it's, it's becoming the leading cause of death among those ages 18 to 45. With that as the backdrop, five states have measures on the ballot next Tuesday that would make recreational marijuana legal. Now, if voters in those five states approve those measures, recreational marijuana would be legal in half the states in America. And, and, and this is not just a you know, left-right issue. This is a bipartisan blunder. Arkansas is one of those states, and we're going to talk with one of the opponents of the legalization, Arkansas State Representative Robin Lundstrom. She joins us a little bit later. And finally, President Biden has been president for two years. But last night in his Only I Can Save America speech, he blamed America's past, or rather blamed America's present state of weakness and fragility on someone else. You know, American democracy is under attack because the defeated former president of the United States refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. Now, we're going to talk about what is really undermining America's strength, and we're going to talk about the path to restore it with Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton. That's coming up a little bit later here on Washington Watch, so stay tuned. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so be sure and uh, check it out. Next Tuesday, if you didn't know, is Election Day, and we have a great resource for you, a personalized voter guide to the candidates. Now, the candidates on this guide are rated liberal to conservative based upon their stance on a range of issues, and it's based upon where you live. And so it's who you will be voting for. All you need to do is to text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, 
That's G-U-I-D-E, Guide to 67742. 67742. Text the word GUIDE. You'll get a link. Follow the link. Put in your address. And within seconds, you'll have your own personalized voting guide. Uh, Join millions of others who are using this personalized tool to help them vote next Tuesday. Speaking of coming up this coming Sunday, I'll be at Grace Woodlands in the Woodlands, right outside of Houston, Texas, with uh, Pastor Steve Riggle. I'll be at both morning services, 9 and 11, so if you're in the area, come out and join us. Today's word comes from 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 2. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Now, don't miss the qualifier of the qualifier. Jehoash did what was right all the days of Jehoiada, the high priest, who instructed him. After Jehoiada's death, the king, well, he went off the rails. Jehoiada exemplifies the role of the church. To quote Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he said this, quote, The church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, he said, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority, end quote. What does the church need to to do to be the conscience, the guide of the state? Well, first, it must be grounded on the word of God, standing prophetically for the truth. And then it must be informed and engaged. To join our journey through the Bible, visit TonyPerkins.com. You can also join me each morning at 8.44 a.m. Eastern for a short devotional based upon the daily reading at TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned last night, just days before the midterm elections, President Biden trekked a few blocks from the White House to Union Station to deliver a speech on democracy. And and it it was a bizarre and often rambling address. And in this, the president did his best to turn the attention of Americans away from his failed policies and create yet another boogeyman, anti-democracy forces that only he can stop. Well, join me now to discuss this and more is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. She is a member of the House Armed Services Committee and the House Agriculture Committee. She represents the 4th Congressional District of the state of Missouri. Congresswoman Hartzler, welcome back to Washington Watch. That's good to be here, Tony. Thank you. First, I want to get your reaction to the president's speech last night. He spoke about dark forces. Who do you think he's referring to? (laughs) Well, he's trying to divert attention away from his failed policies that are going to cost Democrats uh, the House of Representatives and probably the Senate as well. Uh, He knows he has nothing to run on, so he's trying to grasp at straws and to attack uh, Republicans, certainly he's come up with this new catchphrase, MAGA Republicans or ultra MAGA. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And I don't think the American people are going to buy it. You know, Vicki, m- many of your colleagues that have um, spoken out about that speech last night called it dark. They called it divisive. I think it's dangerous. I think what the president is doing, he's conflating all of these things. He conflated this attack on Paul Pelosi with January the 6th with conservative Republicans. I think the president is pushing this nation to a very dangerous point. Well, that's right. And certainly election integrity is not voter suppression. And he's trying to conflate just because we believe that a vote should matter, uh, that that is dangerous when it takes a voter ID, a photo ID in order to get a tattoo 
go into a bar, to get on an airplane. I mean, that is very, very reasonable. And he's the one that's actually being very dangerous, as you point out, uh, he and the Democrats, for not decrying true violence that occurred in the summer uh, a, a while back. And then with uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh, uh, he doesn't have the Department of Justice out there uh, arresting and prosecuting individuals who are breaking the law and not condemning Chuck Schumer when he openly said and called for violence against uh, the justices and said, you're going to reap the whirlwind if you do this. And that those are truly concerning statements made by Democrats. And yet uh, President Biden chooses not to decry those things. And so that is that is very, very concerning. Uh, but I believe Republicans are going to get out in mass force next week because we recognize that it's President Biden's policies who are in this country. We have an open border. We have energy that uh, people can't even afford to put gas in their car anymore. There's record amount of drugs coming across. I mean, you name it, this president and this party has a checklist of how to run America, and they're going down that checklist every day implementing disastrous policies. And it's up to us as citizens to get out and vote and to take back our country and to stop this train wreck. And I believe the American people will. Vicki, I want to play, you mentioned something about voter suppression, and the president brought that up last night, saying MAGA Republicans are suppressing vote. I'm going to play two clips. I want to play clip number five and number seven. So play clip five and then uh, play clip seven. The extreme MAGA element of the Republican Party, which is a minority of that party, as I said earlier, but it's this driving force. It's trying to succeed where they failed in 2020, to suppress the right of voters and subvert the electoral system itself. That means denying your right to vote and deciding whether your vote even counts. Once again, we're seeing record turnout all over the country, and that's good. We want Americans to vote. So how can those two things be both be true? Uh, if, if MAGA Republicans are succeeding in suppressing voter turnout, but yet all of the early voting records are being shattered in many places because so many people are voting. So, in, in fact, in states like Georgia, where he criticized the reform efforts that brought confidence back into the electoral system, how can those two statements be true? Well, they're not. They're, they're contradictory. As you point out, record amount of people voting shows that there is no voter suppression. And certainly it, efforts to try to make sure we have election integrity, such as photo ID, is not suppression. It is safeguarding our democratic process. And like I said, you can't get on an airplane without showing your photo ID. You can't get a tattoo, buy cigarettes as a young person, go into a bar. I mean, it's just commonplace. And so it's laughable that uh, Republican efforts in some states uh, promoting voter ID, he's calling uh, suppression. But as you point out, there is no voter suppression. People are coming out of record uh, amounts, and I believe we will prevail. And if anything, it's the Democrats who are uh, rejecting the outcomes. Uh, he likes to talk about uh, Republicans saying, well, they're not uh, accepting the results of elections. Well, look at Stacey Abrams. She still has not conceded her 2018 Georgia governor's race, and here she is running again. And so it's just ridiculous. Like I said, the president is just grasping for straws, trying to come up with something 
to combat and to cover up the massive failures of his administration, as well as the huge defeats that he is going to see next week. Yeah, Vicki, I want to ask you a question. A question I'm asked often is, it, it, is it not frustrating when you hear, you know, the president talking about people who are silent in the face of political violence, you know, people denying the elections? As you just pointed out, uh, Stacey Abrams, she's not alone. I'm going to play a clip a little bit later that even Joe Biden denied the outcome of the 2016 election. But they're, they're, they're saying they're projecting onto others the very things that they are doing. Oh, it is very, very frustrating. And the Democrats do that all the time. They they blame Republicans for what they're doing themselves. Uh, even now, you know, they're trying to uh, say that Republicans are going to cut Social Security and Medicare. That is an old, old argument Democrats have been using for years. When I was a state representative and running for reelection back in the 90s, my Democratic opponent sent out a flyer saying that I was going to cut Social Security, which is laughable. A state that's a federal issue, you know, state representatives don't even vote on that. So, like I said, they're just pulling out their old tricks, throwing everything that they can at this electorate and hoping that the American voter will be ill-informed and will buy this uh, lot, the lies. And I'm hopeful that that uh, won't happen. And that's why Washington Watch is here, to shine light on the truth. And that's why we have folks like you on the program. Vicki Hartzer, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Great to be here. Thank you. All right. Vicki Hartzler from Missouri. Great, uh, great woman. She's the chair of the Values Action Team, by the way. All right. Um, by the way, election night, we're going to have some coverage live. We want to tune in for that. Coming up next, crime among young people. What's driving we're going to talk about it. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, again, let me emphasize this coming Tuesday is Election Day. As Americans, we have a right to vote. But I believe as Christians, we have a responsibility to vote. We want to make that as easy as possible for you and helping you understand where the candidates are on the issues. And so we have a voter guide that's available to you. You can, um, it's personalized based upon where you live. All you need to do is text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. You get a link, follow the link over, put in your address, and within seconds you've got your own personalized voter guide that rates the candidates on the issues that matter. All right, a major policy issue as we talk about issues in this election is the uptick in violent crime throughout the country. It's everywhere. We've, we've seen it in the last couple of years. Records have been set in many, many cities of violent crime. And guess what? One of the drivers in this are juveniles. The, the juvenile crime has been especially destructive. Just one example uh, representing representing this damaging trend in Prince George's County, just outside of Washington, D.C., from August 22nd to September the 8th. All right, that's not that long. Juveniles committed three murders, five other shootings, six robberies, and eight carjackings. Now, many factors contribute to this lawlessness, including lenient prosecutors on the left. We're seeing that all across the country. But as we all know, the root of such behavior begins with the family. Stable families that love, care, and watch over their children are the first defense against lawlessness. I mean, that's why God gave children to parents. They're supposed to train them up in the way they should go. Now, of course, we're seeing government undermining that. And guess what? We're seeing the fruit of it. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Joshua Arnold. He is a staff writer at The Washington Stand who recently covered this issue in an article for the publication. You can find it at TonyPerkins.com. Joshua, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Now, Joshua, your story covered a specific incident that took place right outside the nation's capital, but it's, it's, it's really a national story. This really just kind of illustrates what's happening all across the country. Tell us about it. That's right, Tony. I live in Prince George's County, and it's, it's really heartbreaking to see this pop up in the local news 
every day or two, every week at least, there's, there's several murders, but it's not just there. It's in Jackson, Mississippi. It's in Los Angeles, California. You know, big cities, small cities, suburbs, it's happening everywhere. There's almost nowhere in the country that's exempt from this rise in violent crime, particularly among juveniles. Now, you wrote about this, but even uh, as you were writing about it yesterday, the chief of D.C. held a press conference talking about this and, and, and discussing how families need to step in. We have to have families involved. And, and really at the core of this are our fathers. Uh, what, what are we seeing in t- terms of a correlation between family structure and the rise in crime? I guess one encouraging thing we see is that even in liberal places like Washington, D.C. and Prince George's County, um, the local officials are recognizing the importance of families. Um, the Prince George's County County Executive, Angela Alsobrook, said, where are the parents? Where are the aunties and uncles and the people who should be looking after these children? But unfortunately, the downside is that we know that's not happening because these kids are out on the streets. We've got 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds that are committing violent crimes. That means there's no oversight at home. And then they're committing those crimes again because there's no discipline in the home. And they're out with, like, pistols in their pants. That doesn't happen when you've got a strong male role model in the home teaching these kids how to resolve their disagreements without resorting to violence and teaching them what it looks like to actually stand up and defend the weak and the vulnerable. You know, Joshua, I think that that is absolutely true, and that's a part of the Stand Courageous message in our men's conferences that we do. If, If we had fathers in the home that, first off, were in a proper relationship with their creator and were living out that relationship with the child's mother, with their wife, they would be modeling what is appropriate behavior in being involved. And sometimes it's not just physical absence. There's emotional absence as well. But but I've got to push back on these um, governmental leaders who are now saying, oh, parents have got to step up to the plate. Because in many of these same jurisdictions, and I know that even in your story, you quote some educators that speak into this issue. In many of these same jurisdictions, these schools, for instance, will not tell the parent. They hide from the parent what some of these children are doing at school when it comes to protected areas of, of gender. So I think there must be a realization that we can't have it both ways. Either parents are going to be responsible and involved in every decision that their children makes in terms of guiding them and directing them, or they're not. I don't think government can have it both ways, protecting those areas that the left wants uh, to have control over, but then holding the parents responsible for the aberrant behavior of kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The government needs to support parents in the job of raising their children. And unfortunately, like you said, all too often, the government is on the side of trying to hide these things um, from the parents. You know, you, you finish the story, you start the story about this, uh, this carjacking that, uh, that takes place. And then uh, your closing line is, having despised the family, our society must now try young teenagers as adults for murder murders committed over a bottle of soda. That was a stabbing of a, of a, of a store clerk. Um, it really does come down to the families taking responsibility. And if we don't go back, as you said, supporting the family, we're going to see more of this antisocial, lawless behavior. 
Absolutely. And the families need to be proactive as well about making sure that they're actually training up their children in the way that they should go. Like the Bible says in Deuteronomy, you know, teach these things to your children, what is in the word of God. Um, Parents need to be taking their children to church so that they can hear the word of God regularly preached. They should be praying with them and, and teaching them to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. Joshua Arnold, thanks for being with us. Always good to see you. Thanks, Tim. All right, folks, and again, you can read that piece. Uh, it's very insightful. As, as, as he said, it's all across the country. It's not limited. And, and I, we didn't get into the fact that in some of these areas, like in uh, Prince uh, George's County, that this is one of the wealthiest areas. So it's not an issue of resources. It really comes back to the family. And, and so each of us as parents, grandparents, can step in and provide that role. And we also need to push back on the government that is encroaching. All right, don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. We're always, always thankful and appreciative that you join us here for Washington Watch. And again, Tuesday, Election Day, we have a resource for you. I know you've heard this, but I'm going to keep saying it all the way through Election Day because it's so important that you vote. And you can share this with your friends. A personalized voter guide, text the word guide, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. Write that down, 67742. Text the word guide. You'll get a link. Follow the link, put in your address, and it'll be a personalized guide to the candidates. 
and it rates those candidates based upon uh, where they stand on the issues, uh, a wide variety of issues. So share that with your friends and family, all right? Many people as possible. We want everyone to be equipped and voting. And speaking of voting next week, five states have measures on the ballots. Now, there's many ballot initiatives, but five in particular have measures on their ballots to legalize recreational marijuana. Now, this is not the medical. This is the recreational. Now, I'm, I'm opposed to both, but... We're talking about recreational. Now, uh, the, these measures have support with, uh, I mean, they've got a lot of big hitters behind them funding uh, this by through the, uh, the, the kind of what's become an industry. And like they always do, the drug lobby claims legalizing marijuana will provide a tax windfall for states and local governments while ignoring the health and the social detriments that result from drug use and addiction. I mean, I mentioned this at the top of the program. We have Republicans and Democrats decrying what's happening at our, well, not so much the Democrats, what's happening at the southern border, but they are talking about the uh, issues we're having with drug addictions and the number of deaths. I mean, one of the leading causes of deaths for those ages 18 to 45 are drug overdoses. But yet we're talking now, and this is a bipartisan effort, of legalizing marijuana, decriminalizing it. Well, joining me now to talk about this is Arkansas State Representative Robin Lundstrom. Arkansas is one of those states that has this referendum on the ballot next Tuesday. Robin, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let me just start off. Why? Go ahead. We've got quite a situation here in Arkansas with this issue. Thank you for covering this. Why is this the wrong move for Arkansas, in your opinion? Well, actually, there are quite a few reasons. First of all, this ballot initiative will remove all the THC levels. Right now, if you have medical marijuana, it's 10 milligrams. This is no holds barred. Take off all the THC levels. And then there's a zoning issue. This will remove all the zoning, except for a few. Uh, They did leave around churches and daycares and adult daycare facilities. Um, And then they put in this lovely little part where they don't have to follow any laws. The legislature can't set any laws controlling. The local city council can't set any laws. And your local quorum court, your county, can't set any laws controlling this. And they're putting this all in the Constitution. And then, this is quite interesting, no criminal background check for the dispensaries, the growers or the owners, including foreign ownership, out-of-state ownership. So you don't know who's going to be controlling this. So that's pretty scary in and of itself. And then so, Robin, who's driving? Who's driving this in Arkansas? Well, actually, it's the owners, the growers, the distributors. It's big money. It's I'd let's just call it what it is. It's drug cartels, and it's folks that just want to make a buck off of growing marijuana and selling marijuana recreationally. Is there concern about, and I saw this back in my home state of Louisiana when I was in the legislature and the legalization of gambling and the money that that industry drew in, that they would then be using those ill-gotten gains, if you will, to to have influence politically? Oh, I'm sure they will, and they already have. And to top it all off, they even have set their own tax rate inside this ballot initiative, which would go in our Constitution. And they put in here that where they want the money to go to is to individual police officers 
as an end of the year stipend. All their advertising is a complete lie. They're saying yeah. it's going to go to departments. It's not going to police departments at all. It's going to individual police officers in an like an over-the-counter bribe. This is an insult to police officers hiding behind the badge. Uh, this is ridiculous. And it also says it's going to go to cancer research. There's not going to be enough money left after we pay for all the problems that go along with marijuana. This is, they're taking everything that they didn't get away with in Colorado, and they're doubling down in Arkansas. And what we're asking people is don't Colorado my Arkansas. This is the wrong thing. And there's actually some Democrats and Republicans that are working against it. It's that bad. Even people that want but recreational don't want this. Very quickly, uh, Robin, we have about 30 seconds left. What, what are the major harms that you see that this would create for your state? Actually, this is going to increase the black market in our state. This is going to increase everything that has gone wrong in Colorado. Everything that's going to be law enforcement is going to have to mop this up on a daily basis. Um, taking off the THC levels is terrible. No criminal background check. You have to have a criminal background check to do just about to sell real estate, to um, rent an apartment, but not to sell a drug. Let that sink in. No criminal background check to own a facility. And you can have out-of-state ownership. If you can't pass a criminal background check, what are you hiding? Yeah, th this, I tell you, this is extremely, extremely dangerous. Um, Robin, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you for leading the effort on this. You, uh, you've been a great uh, conservative leader there in the state of Arkansas. Thanks for taking this battle on as well. No, it's been a team effort. Thank you. Look, you've got these. Uh, in fact, when I come back, I'll mention the other states that have these on the ballot coming up um, next Tuesday. So you'll want to make sure. Actually, Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Be prepared to vote for that. All right, coming up. Senator Tom Cotton joins us on the other side of the break. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, Students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. All right, as I was mentioning on the way out, uh, we were talking with uh, State Representative uh, Robin Lundstrom about from Arkansas talking about the ballot initiative on recreational marijuana. So Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota all have those on the ballot. And if they were to approve recreational marijuana, they would join 19 other states in the District of Columbia, so essentially half the state. So if you live in those five states, be prepared to vote against that. And I, if, if you if you don't know why we uh, we did a uh, I did an interview. Uh, probably two weeks ago, uh, on this uh, topic of the the effects of uh, of drugs, uh, of marijuana, how it's a gateway drug, uh, I'll have to pull that up and uh, maybe make that available for you. All right, going back to uh, President Biden's "Only I Can Save America" speech from last night, he basically ended with a litmus test for voters. Listen to this. I hope you'll ask a simple question of each candidate you might vote for. Will that person accept the legitimate will of the American people, of the people voting in his district or her district? Will that person accept the outcome of the election, win or lose? The answer to that question is vital. And in my opinion, it should be decisive. And the answer to that question hangs the future of the country we love so much and the fate the democracy that has made so much possible for us. So anyone who does not accept the outcome of the election does not deserve your vote. Okay. I I know that the president is not real versatile when it comes to technology, but most everything that people say these days is recorded. He is an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? (laughs) Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. 
and he was put into office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. Okay, um, that was a kind of a montage of Democratic politicians opposing and denying the outcome of the 2016 election. You had candidate Biden, who said, I absolutely agree. Uh, former President Carter, Hillary Clinton, Jerry Nadler, who was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. You had uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein. You had uh, Jamie Raskin, congressman and uh, Representative Sheila Jackson and uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. So how is it you can have it both ways? You know, it's, um, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll just be brutally honest, which I always am. But President Biden and the Democratic Party can't save democracy. In fact, they are the ones that are wrecking our republic. We have an open border, uncontrolled inflation, lawlessness that requires you to take your life in your own hands just to gas up your car, if you can afford to gas it up. On the world stage, America's reputation is a joke. The Biden administration has fostered an ineffective and incoherent foreign policy that led to a disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, a failure to deter Russian, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and an inability to stand up to an increasingly aggressive China. But according to a new book from Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, these are just the latest examples of a decades-long failure by the left to protect American security and interest. And he's written a book about it, Only the Strong. Uh, He argues that the left has sabotaged American power, and this stems directly from their very concept of America's role in the world. Join me now to discuss this and more. Senator Tom Cotton, he serves on four committees, including the Senate Committee on Armed Services, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Before entering politics, Senator Cotton served his country in a distinguished military career in Iraq and Afghanistan, and was awarded the Bronze Star, the Combat Infantry Badge, and the Ranger Tab. He represents the state of Arkansas, and he joins us by phone. Senator Cotton, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, it's good to be back on with you. Thanks for having me. All right, I want to uh, to discuss your book because I, too, am very interested in foreign policy because I think how we're viewed on the international stage in many ways is tied to our strength at home in terms of our domestic policy. But before we get to that, I want to get your reaction to President Biden's speech last night. Sure thing, Tony. I thought you put it very well. You know, uh, I, I think... Joe Biden and the Democrats, although they talk a lot about threats to democracy, what they really worry about are threats from democracy because they know the American people are going to deliver a very harsh verdict next week on Joe Biden's first two years in office. And I also thought it was a deep uh, and rich irony that he gave that speech from Washington's main train station, uh, which is the epicenter for the homelessness crisis in Washington, D.C., 
and uh, it's so dangerous and there's so much crime in that neighborhood, you can't even get a cup of coffee when you get on the train anymore because Starbucks inside that station famously has to close down. It's just kind of a microcosm of some of the issues you touched on that most Americans view as the real threat to our democracy and our prosperity and our safety, rising crime, uh, raging drug deaths, uh, wide open border, uh, record high inflation. These are the things that the American people are, are so dissatisfied with, and that's why we're going to win large majorities in both the House and Senate next week, no matter how many times Joe Biden goes out and starts talking about threats to democracy. Uh, again, I think he's really worried about threats from democracy, or, or he thinks that it's obviously a threat to democracy if the Democrats don't win. Right. It, it, you know, not a lot— not a lot of coverage about the fact that they had to clear out all these homeless encampments for him to be able to go up there and do that speech. Isn't it, isn't it remarkable? Um, and like I said, and it's not just Starbucks in that train station. A lot of stores uh, that had operated there for years had to close because it's simply not safe to maintain merchandise. I mean, I, I was in New York earlier this week for my book launch, and a lot of basic retail stores looked like they were you know, selling fine diamonds, you know, with armor in the front windows and locks on all the doors and display cases. It's remarkable what's happened in relatively short order in some of America's yeah. great cities. Yeah, I was in Chicago recently, and just to go into a 7-Eleven, you had to buzz, be buzzed in um, at the door. They keep the doors locked, only a few customers in at a time. I mean, this is... Uh, this is not the America I grew up in. It's not the America I want to live in. It's got to be changed. I, I, I want to go to the essence of your book, which is focused on on foreign policy. But again, I think our foreign policy and our strength internationally is derived from our internal strength. And when we have uh, you know lawlessness on our own streets, it's hard for us to be seen as a keeper of order internationally. But we're seeing uh, a a a astronomical rise in threats globally. I mean, just yesterday, um, I got a, a, I'm going to play a short clip here from Ned Price at the State Department uh, talking about the provocations of North Korea. Play clip 11. We've seen uh, an unprecedented number of ballistic missile, missile launches. Uh, the launches that we saw over the past uh, uh, 12 hours, uh, unfortunately, were also um, uh, also seem to have be seem to be uh, record setting uh, in terms of um, uh, the number associated with them. Is this an example of what you're talking about about the, the these bad actors taking advantage of the weakness that America currently uh, is exhibiting? Yeah, th there's no question, Tony, that uh, dictators and um, other adversaries around the world think that the time is now to go for broke. I, I mean, shortly after debacle in Afghanistan last year, you had Vladimir Putin beginning to build up troops on Ukraine's border. And I think he was tempted by Joe Biden's weakness and concessions throughout his first year in office to do what he's always wanted to do, which is to reassemble the old Russian empire. Now you have Kim Jong-un firing the most missiles that North Korea has ever fired since World War II, in part because I think he can probably extract concessions from President Biden. Um, you have uh, China's um, communist dictator Xi Jinping, who this summer uh, was you know, launching missiles over Taiwan and now near Japan and its islands, uh, who just secured an unprecedented third five-year term. I think all of these aggressive dictators view that they have a window of opportunity here for at least a couple more years in which they can achieve some of their long-held ambitions. And unfortunately, 
there's decades of neglect that goes into this thinking as well. You know, we could have easily been able to defeat all of North Korea's missiles and hold not only our own nation harmless, but also Japan and South Korea if Democrats hadn't been blocking research and spending in the missile defense systems going back 40 years, to include Joe Biden when he was a senator acting in the 1980s like Ronald Reagan's defense buildup was going to lead to World War III or nuclear war, when in fact, as it always does, strength and resolution led to success and peace. So, so very much like the left's long march through the institutions here domestically, you know, they have been doing this on the foreign front. I mean, the State Department, a great example of that uh, in terms of what they are communicating internationally. It, it, but what, I guess what we've had is uh, our times of reprieve where we get an administration like the Trump administration, Secretary Pompeo that was there, uh, that kind of brings some stability back and, and puts uh, kind of a, a checkmate upon some of those who would do evil. But as soon as that administration is gone and we go back to one from the left, they pick right back up where they were and take off. Um, in many cases, unfortunately, that is true. Now, when you have eight years of a presidency, uh, it's harder for them to do so. You know, one of the things I wish President Trump had done and that I urged him to do from day one was to withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. So we would have had four years uh, to try to change the thinking of the Ayatollahs. Uh, as it were, they decided with encouragement from people like John Kerry to write it out. But there's also steps that we can take that really can't be reversed. You know, if we can secure our border with an effective border barrier, that's not something that, you know, a Democratic administration can stop. They might defund right. enforcement measures. They might move officers off the border. They might stop conducting raids uh, at workforces where employers are unscrupulously hiring large numbers of illegals. But they can't stop a border fence. Likewise, if we build up our military, as Reagan did during the years that we have power, the Democrats who follow, you know, they can't uh, send aircraft carriers and bombers and fighters to the junkyard. That's why it's so important that when we do hold power, we take the steps necessary to rebuild American strength. So let's talk about solutions. If I mean, as you pointed out, the, the, it appears that the Republicans will at least get the House, probably the Senate. Of course, polls don't vote. People do. So people go out and vote. But a good chance, based upon the trajectory of this administration, that there could be a Republican administration in 2024. What are the top three things that need to be done in a new administration? Well, I lay out a roadmap and only the strong for a few things. It's far from the only things we need to accomplish, but a few things that we need to prioritize. One is rebuilding our, our military. Uh, in the Trump era, we, we had some investments, but largely that was to climb out of the hole that the Obama presidency had created. Um, two, we have to achieve energy independence. That'll also go a long way towards mm -hmm. uh, stopping the inflation we see, because energy inflation is the worst kind of inflation of all, because we were on energy for everything, not just to drive ourselves to and from work or kids' school, but to transport goods. And petrochemicals go into hundreds and hundreds of everyday products. Uh, we can do all that uh, if we'll unleash our energy producers here in America. Uh, third, we have to secure our border and end the flow of not only illegal aliens, but deadly drugs into our country. And that may include, too, getting on offense against these drug cartels. You know, I just would ask your listeners, what would you do if ISIS or al-Qaeda had set up shop in Juarez or Monterey and was killing 108,000 Americans a year? That's probably what we should be doing to these cartels. Um, 
So uh, those are just a few of the things that, that we need to do, both at home, but also, as you said earlier, power at home helps you project power abroad. Right, absolutely. Uh, only the strong reversing the last plot to sabotage American power. Where can folks get a copy of uh, your book, Tom? They can go online to uh, websites like Amazon or Books A Million or Barnes & Noble. It will also be sold in any bookstore in their communities that they want to go out to as well. So I encourage everyone to, to pick up a copy and uh, learn what the left has been doing again intentionally to sabotage American power going back 100 years and what we can do to rebuild it. All right, Senator, before I let you go, one final question. In the interim, if the Republicans do take Congress, what steps could be taken to address some of these things? Well, first off, we'll just stop the madness when it comes to the spending, and that will help get inflation under control. Second, um, we'll conduct vigorous oversight on some of the abuses of the Biden administration, such as sticking the feds on parents who are worried about what their kids were learning at public schools. Third, I do think we can take some steps to begin to unshackle American energy producers. You know, in 2015, in my first year in the Senate, we had just won back control of the Senate, uh, and uh, we we're in the final two years of the Obama administration. We used our spending power to achieve leverage to lift the ban on oil exports, which created so many more markets for our oil and gas producers here in America. So we won't be able to fully reverse this decline until we win the White House as well, but we can begin to turn the corner next week by electing Republican majorities in the House and Senate. Well, I think that's what voters expect, and uh, we are hopeful that they'll, the Republicans will have that opportunity. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us. Thank you very, very much, Tony. Great to be on with you. All right, then, folks, you get a copy of the book, Only the Strong. Oh, I tell you, we have weakness on so many fronts domestically, foreign policy, on our foreign policy front. Um, a lot of work to be done. Pray, vote, stand. All right. All right. I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, and when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 